This is episode 26 of Hoops Forum, a production of Radius Athletics and a quick timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Randy Sherman. Thanks to our sponsors over at 323 Sports right now. They're offering several options on team packs, including one for under $100, which includes a jersey, shorts, tee, and a backpack. They have several other options for your program as well. To find out more about what they can do for your basketball program, visit 323sports.com, or you can get in contact with a rep sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. Excited about today's topic? I would guess I'm like most coaches. I know about Princeton offense, but it's not a system that we run. And so for that, I brought in Coach Randy Sherman. He is an expert. He'll probably tell you that he's not an expert on it, but he's an expert on it. Randy, kind of maybe a little bit about how you got involved with uh, Princeton offense, uh, dug deep a little bit further into Princeton offense and anything else you think might be helpful for this conversation. Yeah, I guess I would say that, you know, when I actually coached, something I was always curious about and studied up on and Princeton sort of there's its tentacles sort of have spread out and and influenced other offenses and things that I've done or or coached against, things like that. Didn't run the Princeton offense as a coach, but when when the pandemic hit the and it became evident you know, that we're not going anywhere for a while. I decided to sort of like really investigate and study a lot of the Princeton teams that are out there collegiately. That led me all over the place from men's basketball, women's basketball. Some coaches I work with in my mentoring program have, they either run Princeton or have experience running it. Those were great resources as well. You know, I'm often asked if I were ever to coach again, what offense would I run? And I usually deflect on that question. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it would depend a lot on the situation and, you know, the coaching situation and things like that. But in a certain, you know, coaching situation I, that I could see myself in, this this would be something that would get strong consideration from me because I just, I like it. I think it's it's flexible. I like the intellectual heft of it. It's kind of it's a thinking player's, a thinking man's offense, and I kind of like that. Yeah, so that's that's sort of my background with it, and just a lot of film study and and questions that I asked of people that I would consider experts, not myself. But um, yeah, that, that's that's really it. So today is one of our X's and O's. Uh, if you're by chance just listening to this, you'll probably want to go back and either watch this on Twitter or on Randy's YouTube page, Radius Athletics. You can search for that there on YouTube and watch this. We've got several diagrams that we'll be showing you as well as some video clips as we go through this. Today is really just an opportunity for us to kind of like talk through some of the popular actions. If you're wanting more than that, Randy at the end is going to kind of point you to some resources that you look to and download and that he has available that will help you with that. So as we kind of transition to this, this is our Beyond the Scoreboard segment presented by Sideline Interactive. You may be interested in increasing your school's revenue for your program or improving the fan experience, or you just need to up the look in your gym. One of their scores, tables, and scoreboards would be a great addition to your program. To find out more about those, visit sidelineinteractive.com. All right, let's go ahead and transition into this. First, as we're coming down the floor, because we've talked about this in episodes past, Randy, positioning. And that mm-hmm. topic of like positioning versus spacing and how the two mm-hmm. can help each other. And so from that perspective, if somebody doesn't understand like the positioning as we come down, can you talk them through that? And then let's go ahead and jump directly into the low post entry, which we'll have some diagrams and video for. 
any kind of study of offense to me always begins with transition offense. I, that's the first question. If I like something, I see something that appeals to me. The first question I ask myself or of the person who shared something with me is, okay, cool. How do we get into it seamlessly from transition? So that's what you kind of see in, in the, the full court frame one there. There's a Princeton team of the, the four exterior players, one, two, three, and four. I wouldn't pay much attention to the numbering there. That's interchangeable. Those four spots are, are, are definitely fluid and interchangeable. I think the classic Princeton positioning is a two-guard front. Those are the guard spots, the, the two-guard front. And then the forward spots, what you know, you might commonly call the wings or something like that, is typically free throw line extended. So, and then the post, um, you see there on a rim run and establishing ball side low post positioning. So, from a positioning standpoint, that's sort of our end goal when we're when we're transitioning is to hit those spots. Princeton is sort of got different phases or series, if you will. So, I'm always asked where I would begin if I started teaching Princeton. I get asked that a lot. I usually answer both like sort of like, well, individually, I would probably begin teaching players how to dribble at. That's a classic feature of Princeton. You see a player dribbling at a, at a teammate and that sends them on a backdoor cut or an over the top for a handoff. Getting getting that read down and being able to deliver those passes off the off the dribble, one hand, right hand, left hand, things like that would be individually where I would begin. But as far as installation, where I would begin, what phase, for me, it would be low post. Because I'm a, I'm a big transition offense guy, so really what I'm seeing when I see this is, okay, my primary break, what does it directly get us into? Again, I like to emphasize pitching the ball ahead like you see in frame one. So if we have just a traditional standard break with two guys running the rails, you know, a trailer, a ball handler, and a rim runner, if we throw it over the half court line like we do um, in frame one, that's just a seamless flow right into to into low post. Simple rule: if we throw it from, you know, the ball handler throws it ahead to the wing, we're we're in low post. We don't need to call that. We don't need to holler out low or anything like that. We just know from that trigger, that opening, that we're in low post. Yeah, that's that because that's something I really emphasized in primary break. That would probably be my personal starting point as far as what series I began to teach first low post. Go ahead and talk through this clip and you'll see kind of what Randy was just talking about. It's kind of a natural progression flow. That's kind of the idea that I've been thinking a lot through even with our offense this year, even though we don't run Princeton, but how can I seamlessly transition from my transition offense to straight into our offense or looking for those early seconds? I think we've all seen the statistics. Mm -hmm. You score earlier in the possession, more likely your field goal percentage is going to be much higher here. So for, from your, you know, just another way of saying what you said, but just kind of an obvious we're trying to as score as quickly as possible, score as quickly as close to the basket as possible. Obvious choices to throw it ahead here. So Randy, we'll go ahead and just talk through this clip here. Yeah, so this is a Stanford women. I pay attention to the shot clock. So they just got maybe a rebound or, uh, and and within, bang, stop it there. They have it in in the post, I don't know, maybe six or seven seconds. Yeah, what you see is, is what I just diagrammed. It's obviously on the left side of the court instead of the right side of the court, but but the ball was thrown ahead to the wing. The rim runner established low post position. They put it right into the post, right into the post, off, off of transition. And within seven seconds, they've got it, you know, a post entry with, with pressure on the rim right away. 
I think there's two or three clips that are sort of the same thing. So there's the outlet pass, point guard. She didn't throw it quite over the half-court line, down to the wing. That triggers us into low post. One thing we didn't get into, but when we throw it in the low post, we're going to Laker cut. You saw that as well. Um, the guys in the corner, the players in the corner, don't necessarily have to stick to the deep corners, right? I noticed that she came up out of the corner. Is there something that triggers yeah. that? Yeah, usually, usually classic Stanford positioning is free throw line extended. It's going to be very similar. Throw ahead to the wing, establish low post. Pause it when you put it. Pause it when she puts it into the post, if you can. All right, good. So classic sort of stand, uh, uh, Princeton positioning would would be ball in low post would be well, the balls on the wing. We've thrown it ahead to the wing, and and the point guard has cut through to the corner. You see that, and the the players would react to that. So now uh, we've got the ball on the wing a player at the top of circle, a player at high wing, a player at corner, spaced around the low post. So that that's sort of the hallmark of the low post positioning. All right, let's go ahead and go on to this next one here. Uh, this is the point series here. So why don't you talk through this one? Yeah, so again, like in Princeton, the, one of the things I really like about it is that it can be run with 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 no calls, like just, just sort of triggers. So Again, you see in frame one, the same transition lanes and spacing and positioning. But instead of throwing down to the wing, maybe one had to keep it on their floor a little bit longer, dribbled over the half court line, and they go guard to guard. So we know from that pass, if it would have been down to the wing, point guard would cut through, we'd be in point. It, or I'm sorry, we'd be in, in low post. If we pass it top to top, guard to guard, like you see here, without saying a word, without signaling we just know that 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 means sort of like we sort of unlocked a different series of the offense so guard to guard pass equals point so what what you're going to see in frame one is a guard to guard pass frame two is a, uh, a what i call a brush cut or what is called a brush cut different coaches call that different things you know that's that's up to you whatever language you think will stick with your players is a brush cut but what we want is player one to cut behind their man and in front of the post sort of down the lane line and out of the corner. And when, when the low post who ran to the rim and the low block sees that guard-to-guard pass, they're going to flash up to the elbow. And that little bit of interference, that little bit of intersection of one and five just sort of ca- uh, causes a little bit of traffic and uh, enables player two who's dribbling with their inside hand, in this case it would be their right hand in frame two, throws a one-hand entry pass right into, the, into five in the elbow, and then from there, there's options where we can cut over, screen away, cut middle. I always use the word unlock. So what, what happens first, um, you know, the guard-to-guard pass unlocks point. When we hit the elbow, whatever player two does, cut over, cut middle, cut away, unlocks whatever happens next. So um, that's the way I like to think of it. Here's just a simple point entry, guard-to-guard pass, brush cut down the lane line and out, f- uh, five rising into that the elbow-ish area and getting the, the point entry off a of one-hand entry pass. Would you say that this is like the natural progression, like the next thing because of all the things that it unlocks? Yeah, I think I think you kind of need to think, okay, it, we're going to start with transition first and, and what could happen? We could throw it ahead to the wing. That's low post. We could go guard to guard. That's point. What else could happen? Well, we could hand it off one to three right here. Well, that's forwards out. We're, we may not talk about that. Um, but anything we can do, we can do pretty much anything from that forwards out handoff stuff. But yeah, so the two most kind of maybe common things that would happen in transition would be we throw it ahead of the wing, we dribble over and reverse it. So low post and point, good starting points. 
So this is Nebraska Wesleyan, really a Division three powerhouse. They've they've won the national championship recently and always have a really good team. Just a super impressive Princeton team. And Coach Wellman there does a terrific job, just a terrific watch. If you can find their games, I've got tons of their videos on my YouTube channel. Really fun team to watch execute the Princeton offense. They're predominantly a point series team. So what you're going to see here, I think, might be a little different than the diagrams because they're going to go left to right instead of right to left like I have drawn. But same thing. They're going to dribble over the court, make the guard to guard pass. It just goes from left to right. You're going to see the brush cut right into uh, one of the point options. Here comes the guard to guard pass, cut down the lane line and out. That five, so that'd be point away, curl, pop, shot. The tempo of this doesn't always have to be like, it's not always necessarily fast. They're kind of setting things up and waiting for things to organize. And they almost kind of like take advantage of the brush cut or take advantage of a pop out or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see Princeton teams or Princeton coaches, you, you should probably say who like, this is a team right here who averages 80, they hit 80 plus points often. Like they play at a tempo in Princeton Whereas, you know, some of the more Ivy League-ish type Princeton teams maybe play a little bit lower possession game. Just like anything, man, you can you can turn it into something up-tempo or, or, or not. This is a team who gets right into it off the break. Again, it's kind of off the steal. Um, just sort of know these spots, guard to guard. There's the brush cut, one-hand entry into the post at the elbow, screen away, curl, pop. Yeah, we don't really – well, you can see the shot clock. That all happened fairly fast, you know. There is an element of, like, decision-making and reading the defense, so it's not it's not all scripted movements. No, not at all. Like, you could teach players when to make that curl off that away screen, when you're trailed, when you're overplayed, reject. Or you could just force it, run force curls and force rejects, things like that. It's really up to you. We did have one question. Somebody submitted a question. This is from Coach Greg Brockman. He asked – What's your favorite counter on chin when the defensive post player helps on the chin cut? There's so many. I, I mean, there's, there's, you've got a menu of options. But he did ask my favorite, so I'll, I'll try to answer that. So I think what he's talking about is when we go guard to guard, like you see in frame one. And chin, let me let me back up. Chin to me, for me personally, was was something only on dead dead balls. Like because it starts from a little bit different formation when the post is at the ball side elbow high, like you see in frame one, that's not how we run in transition. So I kind of pull chin out and like keep it like, you know, when we start a possession from a dead ball out of a timeout or out of a travel violation by our opponent or something like that, we'll make a chin. Then we'll set up like you see in frame one make the guard to guard pass five. So it's a back screen for one. So two could obviously lob it to them coming off that back screen if, if that's available. I think what Coach is asking is, is if, if X5 was to really show and take away that, that chin cut off of, the, off of the back screen, what would be a good way to, to punish a team for doing that? I thought of plenty, but he asked me what's my favorite, so chin thumb would be my call. So chin thumb would be, uh, would be the call. So if you go back to chin thumb, Basically, what we're getting here is is we're, we're presupposing that X5 really shows to take away the lob to one, you know, hedges or shows for a step or two. Now five really separate from that back screen and set an on ball for player two. Now we've arrived alone at the ball screen and we've got pull up jumper. 
We've made X5 have to defend the back screen, ball screen action, and if they're sunk too deep, they're, they can't get maybe can't be, get back to their man to defend the roll. They can't step up to take away the gap shot from player two coming off the screen. Or we've got them kind of in a recovery mode trying to get back to player two on a switch or something. And so that's my favorite is just to go, you're going to hedge and show. We're going to sprint right into an arrive alone ball screen for player two. But I would say that kind of what naturally happens next in the chin progression is sort of a counter to the player showing hard on that back screen in frame two. So if they if they really show hard and we that's taken away, we have to assume that that um, what you see in frame three, the second the first frame on the second row is that when we get right into that drift action, that we'll they'll be they'll come open off that drift action as well. So this is just like scratching the surface of things. And I mentioned it. Absolutely. Beginning, you know, Randy's got a ton of resources with this. Randy, why don't you kind of direct them towards those? Both um, both the things that are already on the Fast Model, we've been using Fast Draw here, but on the Fast Model blog site, and then other things that are on your website and available for purchase as well. Yeah, so on my website, radiusathletics.com, there's a tab called Playbooks. On that, you'll see Princeton Offense Playbook. Again, Princeton Offense, I, I take no, I mean, obviously that was invented decades ago. and But what I did was just sort of like, put some of the things that I've seen from different coaches who've maybe taken a, a more modern approach. I injected some of my own ideas like, you know, in classic Princeton, you know, I'm, I don't really like that. It's sort of like, that's what would I do if I didn't, if I wanted to do this first action, but maybe not what they do next and just made some tweaks and adjustments. What I felt like sort of, I don't want to use the word modernized it, but I don't know, just made maybe opened up the lane a little bit more, things like that. There's a playbook on there, Princeton Offense Playbook, really creatively named uh, on my playbooks tab on radiusathletics.com. I also did a volume two, which I go into chin and talk uh, about some counters and specials off of chin since that was a call. That would be a call for me because of the different alignment that I kind of, you know, if you if you like to call sets and things like that, I made a, a menu of those. I also did some point creative work with point that I think kind of modernizes some a bit like concepts that I see a lot in the NBA ghost screens and veer screens out of point um, that I included in that volume too. all in playbooks tab on radiusathletics.com. And you, we, the videos we showed today, a lot of those are available on the radius athletics, YouTube page. So be sure to check yeah. those out as well. Kind of wrap things up here. We'll have a lot of links for this. I'll be sure to post those below this. If you're watching it on Twitter, uh, and then descriptions as well. Appreciate all of those who joined us this week. If by chance you missed any part of the show, be sure to go to the Radius Athletics YouTube page. You can watch it there, or you can listen to the audio version. Just search a quick timeout podcast on any of the major pl podcast platforms. Appreciate again those who watched. We'll be sure to be back again next week. Randy, thanks so much for all that you shared today. Appreciate it.